One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features folks from all walks of life talking about childhood experiences that they've had. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences, some of them great, some of them not so great, but I'd like to think that whatever happened to me as a child has impacted who I am today and hopefully made me a better person. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sideline Inc. Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classic, One Little Act of Kindness, and I've Got Peace in My Fingers. Both available now at any quality bookstore or even Amazon.com. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. So go to LaughSaver.com today and record your laughter. Today I have as my guest one of my favorite people in the world and an old friend of mine, Kathy Kelly. Kathy Kelly is a peace activist whose efforts have at times led her into war zones and prisons. She now coordinates the Ban Killer Drones campaign. Welcome to Tell Me What Happened, Kathy. Well, thank you, Jay. Thank you very much for the invitation. Kathy, are you ready to tell your story? Sure. All right, I'm going to get out of the way, Kathy. I'm going to mute myself. At the end, I'm going to come back and ask you one question. And that one question is, how has that childhood experience impacted who you are today? So take it away, Kathy Kelly. Jay, on the southwest side of Chicago, where I grew up, an area area that Saul Bellow once characterized as rows and rows of bungalows and scrawny little parks, we were a pretty secure outfit in my family. We were all pretty sure that mom, dad, officer, friendly, the parish nuns, the parish priests all wanted to keep us happy and, you know, kind of give us pats on the head. And I was a very pious child. I was in love with these young nuns that wafted through my life. I thought they were quite beautiful in their long black flowing gowns. And I always wanted to gain their approval or please them. And I was pretty sure I'd one day be one of them. But it happened that in first grade, I met Bobby Alberts. Bobby Alberts with big blue eyes and blonde hair and thin as a rail. And he was actually just as interesting as the nuns. Well, in childhood, I continued to be pretty fascinated by Bobby Alberts. And at one point, we were in fourth grade, and he said he'd like to see me outside of the drugstore. You know, we went to the library, we went to the drugstore after school, these were places we could go to. And I was very nervous about that. In fact, I said, well, I think my sister must come with me. And he had a small box and in it was a ring. And I immediately said, oh, no, no, I, I, I can't take that, no. And I was stammering and blushing. And my sister was pretty uh, confused also. And then I don't think Bobby Alberts liked me very much anymore. That was my feeling. And I felt very, very, very sad about that because I always had 
in my thoughts, a very, very fond feeling for Bobby Albertson. There was some competition. Sometimes he was number one in the class and sometimes I was number one in the class. Well, off we went our separate ways after we graduated. So that's my childhood story. And I'll be very happy to tell you how it has impacted my life. Oh, man, Bobby Alberts, he had his chance. He gave you, he tried to give you a ring, but you turned him down. You had your escort, you know, your, your, your sister was your protector at that moment. Well, and in fact, I do remember that at one point there was a kind of a thud in the middle of my back. Mm-hmm. And that Bobby Alberts had packed a pretty strong snowball and threw it at me. Oh, <laughs> and I sad. think that was when I was in seventh grade. Oh, boy, he carried that grudge, man. That's, that's so sad. Well, Kathy, I know you was a peace activist and a, and, a, and a good friend over the years. And I'm not sure that Bobby Alberts impacted you as a peace activist, but I am very interested in hearing how that childhood experience impacted you as an adult. So I'm going to mute myself and hear that part of it. Well, I believe very, very strongly that we, we are all accountable for wrongful things that our governments do. We're we're not each of us guilty, but we all are accountable. And, you know, we have a legislative and an executive and a judicial branch, and we ought to work to connect with those branches of government and try to change things that are wrong, you know, right the wrongs, and try to do what's right. And so I believe very, very strongly that war is always wrong. And particularly in recent years, I've been deeply troubled by the ways in which usage of what are called unmanned aerial vehicles, drones, can make it easier to go to war. You don't have to have boots on the ground. You uh, really practically don't have to involve the U.S. public much at all because it's happening very, very far away and there aren't body bags. And, you know, it's often people don't really care very much. And I will say I haven't been a stranger to going to prison when I felt very strongly about an issue. Uh, Jay, you and I would have known each other quite well back in the day when some of us went out and planted corn on top of nuclear missile silo sites. And I, I did a year in prison for that action. And it was the most educational year of my life since when I was five years old and learned how to read. So anyway, I I did go to prison again um, because of the School of the Americas, and your listeners could Google that. It's a a, a terrible place that has coached people to be involved in assassinations and tortures and massacres and disappearances. And I did uh, three months in prison for crossing the line at that particular military base. That was maybe 2005, I think. Well... By 2015, I had been not only in Iraq and Gaza, where wars were going on, but also in Afghanistan, and the drones were being used over Afghan villages and against civilians again and again, and it just wasn't getting coverage. It wasn't something that the drone operators themselves seemed to be allowed to think about, you know, what if they wanted to quit that work? What if they needed a manual to help them distinguish between combatants and non-combatants? And so all these what-ifs were kind of placed in a letter, and I had a loaf of bread, and I went to Whiteman Air Force Base to cross the line and deliver my loaf of bread and my letter. 
and I was arrested and I was sentenced ultimately to three months in prison. So I was in the Lexington Federal Prison. And Bobby Alberts had a friend who was from Vermont and was a peace activist or knew of peace activism anyway. And he said, hey, isn't that person you once knew, Kathy Kelly, did you, did you know she's in prison again? And Bob Alberts hadn't seen me for many, many, many years, but he was kind of surprised by that. And he wrote to me. He wrote to me in the prison and he said, could I come and visit you? And I said, oh, yes. You know, and now you can actually communicate by email from prison. So I emailed him and said, sure. Well, the prison did not make it easy. They told him he had to get a passport renewed. They, he had to go through a background check. But, well, it happened that the gospel choir inside the prison had needed a soprano. And so I, I used to go to the rehearsals just because I liked to listen. And the gospel choir director said, hey, sing your lalas. Let me hear you. And I, I did. And so all of a sudden, I'm... <laughs> in the prison's gospel choir. And I, because of that, was kind of uh, standing near a window and could look outside. And I thought to myself, that's Bobby Alberts. And it was indeed, Bobby Alberts had come to see me in the Lexington prison, not once, but twice. And after that, when I was released, he agreed at one point to go with one of our peace delegations we went to many places, really, Jay. We had gone to Iraq. Gosh, I guess I went there 27 times to break the economic sanctions. And we've gotten to know many people who were displaced by wars and who had suffered a great deal. And in one case, somebody and uh, our friend Walid and his son, Aus, had made it to Finland after a grueling, horrific journey as refugees. And so we wanted to go and see if we could help him navigate through the UNHCR and other processes, hoping to get refuge status and maybe eventually even get his family to Finland. And we knew that we needed somebody to handle the logistics. It certainly couldn't be me. So Bob Alberts went along. And I guess it was in the course of that trip, I realized there's something there between the two of us that stems right back to the day that he offered me that ring. And I said, oh, I can't take that. And uh, now I've changed my mind and I live with Bob Alberts. Uh, we're, we're quite happy. We actually right now are both full-time caregivers for his older brother who has pancreatic cancer. So we're a bit tethered to the home. And I'm very happy that on Christmas Eve, we'll put out uh, the luminaria, the candles inside the plastic bags. And, and I think in my childhood piety, I really did love the idea that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. And uh, this has been a light that shines uh, really with a great deal of beauty and grace in my life. So I'm, I'm so happy and fortunate and pleased. And I still want to put an end to every war. That was fantastic. That's great. That's a great Christmas story. I mean, in the sense that it's a love story. I mean, I, I, Kathy, I know you're a lover of all humanity. I mean, genuinely. I mean, I'm not. That's not hyperbolic. That's true. You, everybody matters. 
I'm so glad that it circled back to Bobby in the sense that I feel bad for the kid when you're telling me this story because he gives you the ring and you can't take it. But I mean, it's a little early to be getting a ring in fourth grade, I'm saying. But I'm so happy that, you know, in the full circle of time that he was able to reconnect with you. It's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> Christmas and love story. So thank you for that. Really does connect beautifully. I do appreciate all of the piece work that you do. I think you know that. I, Susan and I, my wife and I, we both appreciate it very much. But I'm also of a mind, always have been a mind, of a mind that it's important that the world, that you work to make the world a better place, but also that you have the opportunity to be loved on an intimate level with somebody. So I'm so happy that Bobby came back into your life. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Well, thank you. It, it is a, a true happiness. Um, I I do feel that there's a kind of an artificial shortage of love in our world. And it's curious to me that sometimes we create that shortage of love in our world. And, and I don't think any individual particularly wants to do that. But there's a, a, a real call, a real pull, I think, in our world right now to say, you know, we need to shift gears and uh, the, you know, the catastrophe that could befall the planet if we don't find ourselves to be resilient and uh, very, very committed to recognizing that we're all part of one another is, is, is quite huge. So it's good to sense a partnership going forward. And I know that many, many people in, in our lives, Jay, have manifested that kind of partnership. And I, I, I like to see that. It's great when you see it amongst the families and amongst friends. And it's almost hard to imagine a greater blessing. Amen to that. Again, I think what you, what you do, what you have done is incalculably beautiful and powerful and courageous. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've always thought over the years, I just, you know, you people who like you who have the courage to face jail and other things, it's like, I just, I want you to also feel fortunate enough to be with somebody too, because you, you give so much to the community, but now I'm going off track here, so I'm going to stop and just say thank you. Thank you, Jay, for inviting me. And it's a great idea for a podcast. Well, I've heard so many great stories, but yours is the perfect Christmas story. Like <laughs> because you speak of peace, which is what the holiday season should be about. All holiday season should be about. I mean, everybody, but also of love. And that's a perfect story. So thank you so much, Gabby. All right. Thank you, Jay. All right. Well, I'd like to thank Kathy Kelly, my good friend, for being on the show. I'd also like to thank my sponsors, Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, as well as LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free, and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. That's LaughSaver.com. Now, I'm going to end this show as I almost always do with Susan Salador's classic, One Little Act of Kindness. So until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. 
Two little acts of kindness can brighten anyone's day. Three little acts of kindness can make a beautiful sound. Many acts of kindness help the world go round. One little loving word can go a long, long way. Two little loving words can brighten anyone's day. Three little loving words can make a beautiful sound. Many loving words help the world go round. One little seed sown can go a long, long way. Help the world go.